Hello and welcome to Coinstruct, the podcast where we look at the world of finance and cryptocurrency from a more human perspective. On today's episode, I am joined by Arjun Kalsi. Arjun is the lead growth for Matic Polygon Network. Matic Polygon is an L2 interoperability and scaling solution for the Ethereum blockchain. Polygon has been doing amazing things in the space this last month and has recently been listed on Coinbase, the first Indian cryptocurrency project to have done so. In this podcast, Arjun and I talk of many things and some may be considered as alpha. However, none of the things we discuss in this podcast should be considered as financial advice. Please enjoy listening. Thank you. Does, what does busy entail for you as the, the lead growth for Matic slash Polygon? Right. So, so I mean, uh, growth essentially means, or rather, you know, if I were to talk about my schedule, basically revolves around reaching out and then talking to all the different partners we have, um, all the different, and, and these are partners on, on the DApp side and the infrastructure side. Um, also, all the different partners we want to reach out to um all the different uh, sort of business units which we have currently which are functioning right so we have a big gaming business um we have a big DeFi presence uh, lots of interesting things happening on the nft side so all the strategies around that um who has to do what what are the different things we need to do on the on the technology front right so one is the core blockchain aspect but the other is all the tooling around it now how do we make things easy for users what documentation do we need <laughs> There's like a whole bunch of stuff, you know, which is, uh, yeah, which, which uh, you know, just, just keeps coming every now and then, of course. And then now I've got a big team, uh, almost like a 10-member team now. So, you know, coordinating all of their efforts, making sure that, you know, we're aligned. Um, and then all the tracking, all the data, um, all of those things. So that's essentially what's keeping me busy these days. That, sounds, of course, like you know, that sounds like yeah. a lot. It's it's twenty four seven, man. I mean, yeah. like, I don't think I can't remember a weekend I've not worked. Actually, to be honest, for almost last almost nine months. Yeah, it's um. So yeah. crypto crypto is one of those things where it's you know it's mm-hmm. for example markets are open twenty four hours a day, but yes, yes. I, w- I was talking to uh, a CEO of a PR company, and they traditionally mm-hmm. did standard fintech PR. And she right. was saying that normally, if you have an email, you can send an email, and you know maybe the next day. 12 to 24 hours, you, you can reply, it's fine. But in crypto, you're mm-hmm. expected like within six hours max to get the reply. Because especially as global teams, but just in general, you know, two hours, three hours is, is the kind of expected turnaround time for any request, really. Um, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, very fast moving. Yeah, very fast moving. Uh, and also, obviously, the bull run, the mother of all bull runs, as they say, that that is gonna <laughs> that is gonna make things uh, move much quicker. Um, much quicker. <laughs> it's interesting yes. you said about documentation. You made a point of saying documentation. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. that I think when you when you consider a project, it's mm-hmm. one of the first most important parts of a user experience is access to documentation but it's one that you think just you don't think about it but it is such a difficult thing to create to make it understandable to make it readable uh, and you know to cover all of the necessary bases documentation is something yeah it's something and and also like you know the thing with uh, so so of course you've touched upon all the right right aspects right so you know it has to be easy to understand 
uh, very readable, right? At the same time, you have to have examples in there so that people can, you know, so for example, when you talk about technical documentation, you need to have coding examples, which people can, you know, copy paste, write things out before they build their own applications. Um, and at the same time, right, you know, as your partner uh, sort of network expands, you need to then keep adding documentation. So for example, um, you know, we've been, for example, the graph now supports us, right? So when that announcement went live, we had to have documentation for that. Then with Covalent uh, went live, we had to have documentation for that. All the documentation for all the different oracles which work with us, like Chainlink, Band, Razor, um, all of that has to be integrated. So as you keep adding partners, you need to keep updating and improving your documentation so that you know users can sort of, or rather developers can make the optimum use um, of your partner network, have multiple options to execute things. Um, so that adds another layer of complexity. Um, and of course, you know, as as more as the ecosystem itself, you know, sort of. Um, sort of you could say uh, changes over a period of time more and more technology comes in updates are made and then that would essentially entail you know more changes so for example now there's um, talk about you know ethereum becoming proof of stake um, things might change there uh, I, I don't know what will uh, but those discussions are on so of course you know all of that also needs to reflect in in our documentation so it's, it's it sounds something just like you said right it just sounds something which is, sounds like something which is very simple but it's actually really difficult to get right one of the hardest so, parts yeah one of the hardest yeah yeah uh, you mentioned about uh ethereum becoming proof of stake another thing that mm-hmm. i've been paying close attention to is uh zk rollups zero knowledge rollups mm-hmm. and i was reading about polygon one of the one of the layers that polygon is implementing is zk rollups is this correct Yes, that's that, that's uh, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you see as the? I mean, obviously, Polygon is taking a, a really great approach by providing proof of stake, optimi- uh, optimism, mm-hmm. and zk rollups among others. But what mm-hmm. do you see as you know the forerunner? Personally, I see zk rollups as the as the most impressive in terms of in terms of mm-hmm. the, the underlying tech. Uh, but I'd like to get your opinion. So, so no doubt, uh, zero knowledge uh, technology is very exciting in general, not just on the roll-up side, right, as a scaling solution, but in general as a technology, I think will have, you know, it will have far-reaching consequences, uh, not just in blockchain, but in the tech world in general. I mean, it it, it is a completely different paradigm um, when it comes to, you know, authentication, when it comes to sort of um, just just the whole concept of zero knowledge, where, for example, just, just as a mental model, like suppose I have, suppose I owe you, let's say, $10. Right. I don't need to show you that I have twenty dollars that I can pay you ten dollars. I just need to show you that I have ten dollars. That's enough to pay you. Right. Sure. So entirely different way of thinking, right? How do you ensure something like that? So so obviously it has it holds a lot of promise. But but again, like like you just rightly said. So at at, at Polygon, what we want to do is we want to uh, sort of offer this umbrella of different scaling solutions because what we kind of understand is that every scaling solution out there, you know, has its pros and cons. Right. So uh, when when in 20s, uh, so there are two parts, actually. So let me cover it in two parts. So one is that every technology has its pros and cons. Right. Um, so what that means is that the developer essentially should get the right, you know, sort of to choose, which is the right uh, scaling solution for them. Right. And because they know their DApp the best, they know what they're building, they know their domain ecosystem. So they should have the choice. And as an infrastructure provider, it is our responsibility to give the developer maximum number of options so that they can build the best kind of you know, DApp uh, out there. So whether it be, you know, if they want to use our sort of tried and tested Plasma POS chain, right, on which our entire ecosystem is built right now, whether they want to use optimistic rollups, whether they want to use CK rollups, 
Um, so yeah, so or or for example, what if they want to spawn their own chain? Like you know, they want to create their own standalone chain. They should have that ability as well. So the Polygon SDK will allow for all of this. And now coming to which scaling technology holds the most promise? Um, so here I must say that you know every every couple of years a new technology comes, which which kind of you know is is looks like it is the best technology. So wh- why I say this is because in 2017 when we started, like Plasma was the way forward, right? And Vitalik wrote about Plasma, and everybody agreed, yes, this is the right thing to do. So and now then optimistic rollups came, and everybody's like, oh yeah, definitely we should do this. Now ZK rollups came, and, and you know just like even even you feel yeah, it is, that hey, you know, it is I think, so yeah, quick the changes they are so rapid. Exactly right. So and and this is kind of what we've also realized. At, you know why we created Polygon because we realized that while today you have you know like Plasma, POS, Optimistic, ZK, there could be something new in the future which could be even better, more simple to use, faster. So and and when that happens, we will you know allow for that as well as as an option for developers. So so I do feel ZK rollups are interesting. It obviously is an is a very interesting technology, very complex to implement. Um, there's a lot of math involved. It's, it doesn't scale very easily to complex smart contracts uh, and things like that. Uh, of course, I'm sure you know these are technical problems. Uh, there are very brilliant people working on these problems, and they'll figure it out. I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's exciting. I think uh, we'll be able to really tell how how it works and how it will really scale once it's deployed. So yes, what you said about uh, zk rollups, maybe the complexity of the math affecting the smart contract mm-hmm. implementation. Uh, one thing that I'm quite excited about is the ZK rollups for wallet implementation for basic mm-hmm. transfers. Uh, your, the example you used was about, you know, if I have $10, can I get $10? Is that, you know, is that doable via math? I think it's perfect, simple implementation for wallet integrations. And for me, that's the most exciting part. But oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But what you say, uh, you know, Kudos on the name change, by the way, because love Polygon. I think it's a fantastic name. Obviously, as you said, uh, any mm-hmm. new solutions that come along, Polygon will accommodate it, allow people to build on it and to build with it. And as a, you know, mm-hmm. a Polygon is an N number sided shape. So super cool name. <laughs> really, really like that. And you got it exactly right. You know, so I'm very happy you understood it right, right away because that's exactly what we were aiming for. So it's a... Polygon represents an n-sided figure which can fit any shape or size, and that's kind of what we felt is that's the level of flexibility you wanna offer. Yeah. So, so you understood it right at the first go, which is which is awesome. <laughs> so it did. It wasn't actually so clear to me uh, at the beginning. I, I'm I've been mm-hmm. a Matic or Matic Polygon holder for a little bit of time now, um, but I was mm-hmm. kind of I was really surprised actually by the the scale of the changes between the Matic network and now Polygon. I didn't quite expect mm-hmm. it to be so encompassing, you know. So um, there's a lot of debate about, not debate, there's a lot of questions regarding what makes an L2 versus what makes a sidechain. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think sidechains tend to be, uh, they're kind of slightly older tech. Am I right in saying that? That they're, they're slow? Um, so not, not necessarily. I mean, so again, you know, this is a pretty, sometimes can be a sore point for people, you know, what exactly is L2? And people are fighting over this, you know, this is L1, this is not L2, and, you know, there's Wikipedia definitions and all of that. But but the way I see it is that, essentially, it's a, there's a very easy way to think about this, a very easy mental model you can, you know, sort of implement if you want to figure out whether a chain is a pure sidechain or L2 solution. So so I would not say a sidechain is 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 old tech. It, it 
you know, a side chain is what it is. It's a side chain. It, it, it is used to solve certain, you know, it represents a solution to certain kinds of problems. Uh, and, and a layer two solution is different, right? So, so a layer two solution by definition has to be something which is an extension of the layer one system, right? So for example, for us, like the way our chain is, is structured, um, you know, uh, the way our plasma POS chain works is that every, you know, a certain number of blocks, we will Merkle route the transactions and we will place a checkpoint on the Ethereum chain. Right. And, and and what this means is that our chain operates like a commit chain. Right. So we're committing sort of transactions uh, every every, let's say, 256 odd blocks. We will Merkle do the transactions and we'll place a checkpoint. And this is purely for asset security so that all your assets are provable and discoverable on Ethereum. So so the way the Polygon chain or the you know previously Matic chain operates is that we cannot exist without Ethereum. Right, so we we need Ethereum because we need to place those checkpoints so that the assets are secure. So that's why you know we automatically are an L2 solution, while a pure sidechain doesn't need Ethereum to exist. So for example, Tron, right? So Tron is a is its own you know chain. Um, it also it's EVM compatible, so you can use Solidity you know for programming smart contracts and all that. But that doesn't need Ethereum to exist. So the question you really need to ask is that do you need Ethereum to exist? Yes or no? If you, if you don't need it, then then you're a sidechain. Right. If you need it, then then it then you become an L two solution automatically. So that's that's. I think it's just an easy way of resolving that. And right. again, you know, to the to the point of of side chains being older technology, I wouldn't necessarily say that. It's just a solution to a different problem. So yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's nice a uh, nice example. Um, what you said mm-hmm. about you said, for example, every two hundred and fifty six blocks, you commit to Ethereum. Uh, I've mm-hmm. heard you know I've heard people suggest that maybe that that entails that Polygon is a centralized chain and it has therefore carries with it the problems of centralization um how how do you mean that would be centralized as in who places the checkpoints is that yes is it all completely automated via smart contract or similar or is oh, no no not like that so the checkpoint is is checkpointing is done by a validator network so we have about 88 validators uh, spread across the globe um, these are you know companies some of them are professional companies which run validators for various networks some of them are bigger d apps who run their own validators because they have a huge amount of traffic. And essentially what happens in our network is that uh, a, a, a node or rather a validator is randomly chosen who then places the checkpoint. So the checkpointing is done in a completely decentralized manner. It's not done by a smart contract because okay. that would make it very centralized and prone to you know attacks. So it's done, so just like how transactions are validated in a proof of stake network where you randomly choose like a set of, uh, a set of you know validators and then you decide who's going to be the one who will validate transactions etc and, and those details are there in our documentation similarly a validator is chosen who will you know who will then place that checkpoint onto the ethereum chain so it's completely decentralized okay good yeah um i've been i i don't know if you know i'm a a community manager for harvest and also for another harvest finance and another project called oh, drc digital reserve currency and both have just, oh, yes, yes. yeah both have just recently yes. ported to uh, polygon and onto quickswap and i've getting questions from a lot of people asking if there's any kind of centralization concerns regarding polygon matic mm-hmm. and i was under the impression that there wasn't and it's glad to hear that you've confirmed it as such absolutely and and you know that that i mean if we did it by smart contracts that would be very dangerous and and you know it could be exploited, so it has to be. It has to be a part of yeah. So it's completely decentralized. In fact, I'll send you um, a link while you're at it in case anybody asks you, and then you know you can send them this. And it gives you gives good good 
good uh, explanation. Of, well, thank um, you very much for that. I tell yeah, you, that's yeah, going to yeah. save me a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of hours explaining. I can just send the link and say, please do your own research. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. What you said about uh, Polygon being an L2 solution tied to mm-hmm. Ethereum, I think mm-hmm. for some, you know, for some people who, in my opinion, may be delusional, that might be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I think anything that is tied to the success of Ethereum is likely to be a success in itself. Um, you know, it may definitely, be, and yeah, and it's interesting. You know, you put it that way as well. So I, I want. You know, uh, I think you know blockchain world is, is you know revolves around open source technology. People are free to make the decisions they want to do. Um, and and to be honest, like when we first started, we we also were not you know sort of you could say tied to Ethereum. We decided that we'd be like a generalized layer two solution on top of many different layer one solutions. Like that was the initial sort of thought process. But as time progressed, and and as you yourself have seen over the past two three years, like you know. Ethereum has sort of, uh, you know, sort of grown into sort of, you could say, the largest, the most diverse, and and as one might say, you know, the most well documented, uh, you know, and 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 it's the best ecosystem out there, hands down. It is right, not just in terms of communities, in terms of the DApps, the innovation, um, the advisors, the the founder, and founding team, all of them are so passionate about this concept, and and that's why you know it, it has grown so much. And and what we also kind of realized in our journey is that we became like you could say you know Ethereum maximalists. I, I don't know if that's the <laughs> that's a no, that is, good that thing is the to term. say that or, is the or term something like sure. that. <laughs> but but that's what we became. Uh, you know, just as we as we started building on Ethereum, you know, as the first layer of choice, we realized this is the best layer. So why why go anywhere else? Yeah. So one and, of the, and, and yeah yeah one of the things I when I was first deciding to invest into uh, Matic or Polygon was mm-hmm. obviously I'm looking through your website and I saw on your team page, I saw, mm-hmm. what's his name? Uh, Anthony Sassano, is that his name? Anthony Sassano. Anthony yeah, Sassano, the, the maxiest of all ETH maxis. Because um, <laughs> I, I was concerned, I was concerned that there might be some kind of intention to maybe compete to try and take, uh, to take share away from. I wasn't so informed at the time. Uh, and mm-hmm. when I saw that, I thought, wow, these guys are, very much ETH Maxi. They have this guy on side. So mm-hmm. it kind of, um, that was one of the things that ticked my boxes was to know that, was to know that you guys are, mm-hmm. you are following what in my opinion is the way the market's going to go. And it's really great. Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and it's not, and also along with Anthony Sassano, you know, Rayshon Adams, uh, John Lilich, um, and, and many other advisors have now joined us, you know, who, who've been who've been a part, of, you know, of the Ethereum growth story have now joined us to help us build, you know, the future of scaling for Ethereum. So, so definitely, you know, very happy about that. Sure. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, being an ETH maxi, what <laughs> what will happen to Polygon Matic when ETH 2.0 comes around? So, uh, so uh, ETH sorry, 2.0, can I just, let me just right. Uh, ETH 2.0, when, if, maybe next year, maybe never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sure it will, it will come at some point. You know, we have some of the brightest people on the planet, you know, working on solving that problem. And, yes, I've And I'm sure, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They'll figure it out. No, no doubt, you know, it will It will take time. Um, you know, the locking contract itself is, was for 18 months. Um, and, and, and with Ethereum itself, you've seen, right, it's been in existence for over five years and there's so much work which has gone into that. Um, so it will take time. Um, so that's for sure. But uh, will it be realized? Definitely. And and where does that leave layer two? I, I think that would make layer two even more powerful. Um, so currently, if you look at, uh, you know, Ethereum TPS is around 15 TPS. 
right? And and uh, you know, layer two essentially scales that. So our block time is two seconds, right? And and so we on average can scale up to even up to you know with parallel side chains, etc. Can go right all the way beyond twenty thousand TPS or something like that. Thank but but right but if you look at ultra scalability right like when you look at aws like scalability aws can probably go for a million transactions a second right and 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 if you want to onboard hundreds of thousands of millions of users who are playing games using defi doing you know you are going to see hundreds of millions of transactions happening per second so what i feel is that even if ethereum scales to let's say 100,000 transactions per second, you know, layer two will still be required because we will offer that extra sort of uh, scalability which you need when you go, when, you know, when the, when the blockchain ecosystem itself has millions of people who are a part of it. Like, so just as a simple metric, like in its heyday, right, in Ethereum when the gas fees was low and, you know, things were going well. Uh, uh, that was a nice time. <laughs> that was a nice time, definitely. So, so Ethereum did like 1.5 million transactions in a in a day right 1.5 1.6 million transactions in a day and you know visa or mastercard probably do that in a few minutes right right so we're far from all you know like massive scalability we are far from getting the next million users into blockchain and now with nfts and gaming you know those users are going to come like you know when you have these mainstream kind of use cases those users are going to come and that's when you will need the scalability so even with ethereum 2.0 you know uh, L2 solutions will will be even more relevant because by that time, you know, there will be thousands of more users, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of new users into sure. the blockchain ecosystem. It's almost so as that if, is on, yep. yes, yes. It's almost as if maybe Polygon might find itself uh, a, a niche, maybe, you know, there's a particular mm -hmm. type of, I mean, I'm actually going to ask you to expand on the gaming because I'm, I'm not so clued up and that sounds very interesting. But for example, mm -hmm. say for, there's a, a, an increasing gaming community that, appears on the blockchain and uses as its base ethereum in some manner then maybe mm -hmm. for example polygon could be the scaling l2 scaling solution that dedicates itself onto the gaming community and would be you know rather than it having it all on eth 2.0 the scaling the l2 solution would be able to handle that millions and you know millions and millions of transactions every minute every hour would need something like polygon in order to help it to scale so definitely that also and even DeFi for that matter, right? Even on DeFi, once you have like you know, when I talked about Visa and MasterCard, those are finance applications. Right. And and even in DeFi, you want to have millions of users and, and you will need that. And and there was another point, right? Of ETH 2.0 currently, as the plan stands, you know, and, and even when Vitalik talked about it. So what you have first is the beacon chain, right? Which essentially is a data layer. Right, where all where the blockchain resides and all the all the all the data is there. The transaction layer, or rather the EVM layer, is, is still under development, right? Because that is when you will have to figure out a way to get all the shards to work together and transaction finality and, and those kind of things. So the way I see it is that and again, this is up for debate because you know this the, the pace of development and, and innovation is rapid, but the future of, of what ETH 2.0 might look like is that you will have this beacon chain, which is you could say uh, the L1 layer, right, which has extreme like security which is you know because there are 10,000 plus nodes and and all of that and 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 what uh, layer two essentially which is all your roll-ups and what what we're building etc is sort of the execution layer on which you actually build the app so you have the security layer which can never be broken and then you have the execution layer. okay where where you know you do the you know where you build smart contracts where you do where you do you know gaming DeFi, and all of these different things so that's what i feel is going to be the structure and and even Vitalik, to an extent, has alluded to that when he talked about, 
you know uh, layer two scaling and and how you know layer one beacon chain is going to be so so yeah, of course you know these you know thoughts are evolving and things are changing but but this is what i feel is what the future is going to look like no I, I agree i think you know in i'm not particularly the most tech savvy person but in, in any kind of if really in any operations you have the base layer the foundation which deals with yes, the yes. largest of the issues, the most functional, the most you know essential issues, and then it mm-hmm. scales out to the you know the point of sale. Even a you know a shop, for example, they have their warehouses. Well, they have their production mm-hmm. centers. Then they have their warehouses. Then they have their shop fronts. And each one is a completely separate business that requires a separate solution. And uh, right, yeah, Matic is probably more towards the customer facing side, right? Yes, definitely. So we want to offer that execution layer and, and you know this rich layer where you can build smart contracts, which is very high performance and very low cost. You know where people, where you can build like gaming, you can build DeFi, you can build like anything and everything you want, like NFT or whatever hold the future holds, like maybe some NFT plus DeFi gaming, etc. And then and this high performance, low cost layer essentially you know will allow sort of your your average user to come and sort of you know do their transactions, interact with the blockchain world. And then, of course, you you know, if as long as you keep checkpointing to layer one, you will have asset security. And if the layer one itself is also high performance, then that just you know super scales your performance as well. Sure. And and then, like I said, you know, hundreds of millions of users also come, and it's not a problem. Sure. Um, I just like to shout out Polygon's ultra ultra low fees. Um, really, <laughs> so, so amazing. I think I paid zero point zero 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 one dollar for my last transaction wow. <laughs> on Polygon. Just incredible. Um, no, definitely. It's, it, it feels like a safe place to be after the recent times on on Ethereum. You know, paying no, definitely crazy. Definitely. General, I think uh, number I go with on average, right? If you look at all types of transactions, contract calls, you know, normal transactions and things like that, I think that on average for ten dollars you can do like two million transactions. Goodness, ten dollars, right. two million. That's a, that's a stat. Two million. <laughs> make a make yes, a documentation absolutely. of that. That that has to be there in the dark side. <laughs> so so yeah, no, but definitely. I mean, this is this is this is the best part, right? This is where you know when, when you take you know when you take speed and cost. When you, when you when you're able, like, like I said, right? When you build a high performance layer and you take away those problems of speed and cost, then the sky's the limit with what you know you can innovate and build. Absolutely, and, and that that's what I find for fascinating about you know working even at Polygon is because whenever we talk to people and people come up with these insane ideas and stuff, which should never be possible on on you know a normal maybe blockchain implementation but now you can do it because the costs are next to nothing they, they are next to nothing yeah, yeah it's, um, it's it's nice to see actually because you know the first l2 solution that i was really exposed to was uh, you know mm-hmm. is it an l2 solution uh finance smart chain it felt like it was mm-hmm. a warm-up for people you know to let people know what it's like to move from ethereum onto another chain to get the low fees mm-hmm. and the high speeds and then obviously Thankfully, everybody else yeah. arrived in good time to push them out of the way, which is necessary right. for the so, growth. So I think Binance, uh, Smart Chain, uh, so I think that operates like a proper sidechain okay. uh, because they're not checkpointing to Ethereum um, or, or require Ethereum to exist. And um, yeah, so so I think Binance Smart Chain would be like a pure smart chain. They have, I think, about 20 to 21 validators, if I'm not wrong. Yes, and I think they're all um, Binance but, owned, aren't they? <laughs> well, I, I haven't sorry, checked, I mean, to air, be honest, air right. quotes, air quotes. But, <laughs> right, right. But I, I don't know. But but definitely, their block time is very consistent. So, so yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay. Um. So I'm going to ask you to drop me some. I don't know. Is it alpha? Is it already out there? What's this? Mm-hmm. You're talking about the gaming. That sounds incredibly exciting. 
Oh, definitely. So let me, in fact, just uh, shoot you a link and 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 they'll give you an idea of of uh, in fact community member put this together. Um, and you know, <laughs> I've got in touch with them and I'm trying to help them uh, sort of get the latest list. So you can check out awesomepolygon.com. Okay. Um, and and it's basically a list or a you know repository of all the different the apps which are deployed on on our network. Um, and of course, you know, many of them have been missed out in this list. So I'm just working with that community member to get this added, and we'll you know eventually merge this into our own website. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so on the gaming side, uh, you know, so gaming is all about engagement, right? So so it's about keeping people engaged, and and engagement essentially also means a large number of transactions, a large number of touch points. And then, of course, you know, to make any sort of gaming possible on chain, you of course, you know, need need infrastructure like Polygon. So we've seen so many interesting concepts like decentral games, uh, which is built on Polygon, which is casino style gaming. So you you know you can sign up as an avatar and you're in this metaverse kind of oh, cool. you know place, which is basically decentral land. And then you know you can go to a casino. And Atari now is tied up with decentral games to create like some some special kind of casino with Atari games. Yes, I have um, my I have Atari the, written on my list here of things to ask you about for awesome. sure. <laughs> so yeah, so Atari again, you know, of course, you know, being one of the biggest names in gaming have also, you know, sort of uh, they also evaluated us and they realized, you know, this is great. It's gonna scale very well to a gaming use case. Yes. And and this and I think what they're doing with decentral games is just the start. And there's gonna be so many more interesting things to follow. Um and of course along with Atari we also have Animoca brands, you know, which has a bunch of different games. Um, you know they've built over a period of time in racing in many different genres, um, and they're doing really well. Um, so Animoca is on board as well. Apart from that, of course, other very famous and very interesting games Sorry, like did you Mega say, Crypto Poly. Did you say Animal Crossing? Is that what I heard you say? No, 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 no. Animoca, A N I M O C A. But okay. somebody should build Animal Crossing. That's what I was on, just about to say. That, when you say gaming, I thought like, like blockchain there, right. and Animal Crossing. Absolutely, there's. The most intense Dude, synergy I should, there. That's should write that down. Please do that. do that. Get in like, touch with those guys. <laughs> um, I will 100% just like to say, I'm going. That, yeah. I'm going to put the awesomepolygon.com link in the description below, so people can Absolutely. click on that Absolutely. and have a look about what we're talking about. Absolutely. So we have uh, like so Neon District again. You know, um, RPG style kind of game, very interesting. You also have uh, like the Burst games, right? The Metaverse kind of games, yes. like Vulcan Burst. Uh, Gala Games has created this Miranda's universe, which is like super, again, super cool. They're also deploying um, on on our. So I, I think pretty much anybody and everybody in gaming is either on our platform or is talking to us. Amazing. Um, because all of them realize, right, on the tech side, it, it just works out so well. And, yeah. and, you know, we also offer support on, you know, stuff, tech support and marketing and things like that to help them, you know. Your tech support is um, absolutely second to none when uh, for both, <laughs> my, honestly, for my engagement with both Harvest and uh, with DRC, I've talked directly with you and, you know, and you guys are absolutely rapid with the help. And as you said, the documentations with examples Really, really super mm-hmm. useful. So I'd just like to shout right. out the, the Polygon oh, thank you. tech thank team you so much. for being so helpful. Your kind words <laughs> no, and, and, and we're improving that, by the way. So we've added more members to our tech team. We've also got some you know, very smart interns now who are also taking over some responsibilities who will be joining us full-time. So we're going to make it even better. Are these mostly and, and domestic uh, employees, like from, from India? Then, from India? So, so majority of them are from uh, India, and uh, so so most of the tech team sits out sits out of India. So we wanted people in the same time zone for all the meetings and things like that. Makes sense. But what we also have is a is a team in in Belgrade, um, where Mihailo Belich, one of the co-founders, is located. So a lot of the you know a lot of the uh, 
research, et cetera, goes on there. And now we have offices in Singapore as well. And 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 because of the COVID situation, frankly, everybody is operating you know, from different places. So, sure. so um, it's kind of something like that. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to make the assumption that Polygon is the most influential Indian cryptocurrency project right now. No, definitely. So I think hands down. Uh, so we are the we are the first Indian project to ever get listed on Coinbase. Sure, I saw that um, headline actually. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> so so yeah, definitely. Yeah, hands down, well, you're the most successful one, and you know, and and you know, that's it's, it's it's something very close to our heart as well. So we've been trying really hard to you know support hackathons and do things to you know sort of help other developers and and really spread the word about blockchain in India mm-hmm. so that more and more developers get involved uh, and and yeah so that's something which is very close to us as well and we're trying really hard to do that yeah. but yeah it's definitely something we're very proud of yeah um, um, it's a know, big it's a, a huge thing because i you, you said at the start of this conversation that things have been very busy for the last 9 months um mm-hmm. that coincides roughly with around maybe may last year and right so when our mainnet launch basically after that things went completely crazy did your mainnet launch because i was reading up um and in india indian government was uh trying to place some bans or some restrictions or regulations on cryptocurrency and succeeded mm-hmm. in 2018 and for two years there was essentially mm-hmm. a no contact order between exchanges and banks which kind of crippled right, so- the, the the investment scene for a lot of people so and that stopped in March 2020, which is a few months before mm-hmm. your mainnet. Was there a, a, a reason for that, or was it just you know coincidental and happy? No, it was just coincidental because uh, what what the government really was after was people converting fiat to crypto, and and that that was something which which you know, the government because they couldn't figure out how to tax it or how it works and 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 things like that. So that's kind of what their sort of reflex action was. So at at our heart, if you think about what what we are, we are actually a software company, right? Sure. So we've built our own blockchain and 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 because every public blockchain needs to have its own token, then that's kind of where the token comes from. But that's essentially who we are at our heart. We're a software company. So so we never really had issues with the government. And at the same time, you know, like what has happened now with our sort of uh, um, our, our, you know, sort of change to Polygon is that now we're a geographically distributed, like, you know, company where we have offices in India, we have offices in Singapore, Belgrade, uh, BVI, um, you know, and, 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 and what that means is that sort of that protects us from any of these geographic risks, which come up, you know, when policies change. So, yeah. so that's kind of, you know, what's been our approach. So, right. So going forward, we won't have any issues right there. It's almost essential for, you know, proper serious blockchain businesses to be based in multiple places around the world because you know decentralization in the tech kind of should require decentralization in business operations as well um what you were saying about uh the government not really knowing how to deal with the taxation of uh of cryptocurrency i think is actually a a big problem all around all around the world in many places i have a close friend he's from nigeria and the nigerian government maybe Two months ago, uh, placed a blanket ban on cryptocurrency withdrawals from exchanges to banks, and their reasoning was that you know, alongside it being used for terrorism plots and you know, for money laundering and all this other BS that governments yeah. tend to put which, out, um, which is strange, right? Because what's used for money laundering in the world is cash, basically. Yeah, this, right? that's that's the default. What it's what is the most <laughs> the, the 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 money, which is the default. You could say currency for for you know buying drugs or selling weapons is actually the U.S. dollar. Sure, yeah, which is right. why and, which and is why it's, it's so cash, globalized. Which is why it's so yeah, absolutely. And and you know when I think these are just 
things, you know, uh, see, at the heart of cryptocurrency is decentralized technology. Yeah. Right. It's just technology which is decentralized. You can't control this. And, and I feel that, it, you know, it scares governments. It certainly does. It, it scares yeah. all these policymakers that suddenly they'll wake up tomorrow and they won't have the ability to change interest rates and, you know, make the economy dance to their, you know, dance on their fingers. Like, it won't be possible anymore. And, and that's kind of where this knee-jerk reaction is coming from. But of course, you know, there are also other governments who realize that we cannot stop this. So if you can't stop it, you know, you find a way to maybe tax it or you do something, you find, get some value out of it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so China is trying to have a sovereign currency. You know, so, this, so there are many different approaches, but at its heart, it just scares people. Yeah. It's, um, so the, the learning to tax it thing is this Nigerian friend I was referring to. He said he would mm -hmm. happily, that he would ha be happy for the government to tax his crypto because he says mm -hmm. it would be more revenue for the government. It would enable freer trading and it would bring the benefits of the blockchain rather than people thinking of cryptocurrency as just a way to send payments from one person to another and avoid 100%. central banks. It's like, no, the, the blockchain in which these things are built on are innovation for the future. They will help solve so many problems aside from money transfers. Um, so that's the super important point, in my opinion. Right. No, definitely. Definitely. And, and that's what that's what I think most crypto holders would agree with. Like nobody, nobody has a problem with with, you know, paying some tax on their crypto earnings. Well, right? I mean, nobody I mean. loves the tax man. But <laughs> no, what I mean is that, you know, we can have these conversations about how tax is horrible and all of that. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, if something gets lost, you need to, you know, help, you need, you know, you need the police to help you. Yes. Right. If and your house catches fire, you need the fireman. Yeah. Right, you need you need somebody to keep the roads, you know, to improve the roads, improve the that, that money has to come from somewhere. It can't come from you know, you can't you can't dream up that money. So taxes are inescapable in in our kind of society, and and you know, but but again, you know, if if I think majority of the people would not have a problem paying some kind of tax on their crypto investments, and the governments could benefit a lot if they just change their stance. On, on, you know, and, and think about it a little differently. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, let's let's see how, how things pan out. Let's see how things play out. Yes. Um. Uh, yeah. The the reason why I found that comment my friend said so prescient was because he has he's living in a country where they have cut off access. So now he's saying I, I would happily pay tax, whereas people who are saying oh you know the government cannot tax my earnings. It's because they have access to it, right? But if they were removed access by the central authority, then they'd say, "Well, actually, let's re—you know—let's reevaluate this situation. Let's think about actually taxing it in a sensible manner." Um, so I think you know needs must. No, definitely, definitely, and 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 you know, uh, even with governments trying to ban you know crypto, it's it's like trying to ban the internet. Yes, um, it won't and work. which you simply can't. No. I mean, if you look at even what the Chinese government has done, you know, which is the most like surveilled internet in the world right and you can't access google or any of those things they could not stop it right they can't stop news from leaking out or people from accessing internet through vpns and things like that yeah. so i mean i mean you, i'm, you I'm in china right it. now and i'm speaking to you through google meets so you know it's a, it's See, a good example just, just think, exactly right so so you can't you can't stop these things um and 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 the smart move always is to for the government to get involved like maybe create sovereign cryptos and you know some sort of exchange and really use that technology. Well, it's interesting you say benefit. sovereign cryptos. So the three mm -hmm. I have in my mind are the first one is Nigeria. One of the reasons they were banning was, as I was saying, the uh, the you know the funding issue. But the second one is they were planning yeah. to release a, a central bank digital currency CBDC. Mm -hmm. um, yes, which is you know in the eye, in the eyes of my friend is an absolute ridiculous idea. But also China is trialing and almost mm -hmm. certainly going to release the digital yuan. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know, am I wrong in saying this, that one of the main reasons for India's cryptocurrency bans was mm-hmm. they were trying to release a sovereign digital currency? Definitely. So the Reserve Bank of India, uh, you know, has plans. Uh, they still do to, you know, come up with their own sovereign um, sort of cryptocurrency, and and because they also realize you can't you can't stop it, right? And and of course the advantages of using blockchain technology are pretty clear, and in terms of you know sort of its ability to you know so so many government services which are currently run through banks etc. You could just replace that with a smart contract, right? And 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 that would save governments huge amounts of money, which could then be invested in in sort of your human capital, right? In, in sort of education, healthcare, and in, in, in infrastructure. So, so, and, and governments realize this, you know, they also have economists, they also have technologists, maybe, maybe more, you know, who, some of them may be more misinformed about technology, uh, but, but they do have their own experts they can reach out to. They can always reach out to people in the industry like us as well. So, so there are definite advantages for governments to do so. Governments then will be able to transfer money to their citizens anywhere in the world. You won't need visa. So imagine if you're, a, let's say, a Chinese citizen and you're in, in, let's say, somewhere in Europe, your government can send you a survey, right, without having to sort of, go through like some sort of some form of visa or mastercard or some other convoluted mechanism which is wasteful and then you know and and then do so 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 many you know amazing things will happen and i feel that you know if you do these kind of things it'll bring the world closer right it'll it'll it'll, it'll, it'll bring people closer and and why this was not possible probably earlier is because uh, you know what has made this possible is basically the mobile phone the fact that even in even in very impoverished third world countries you know you still have you know, fast data networks, you still, people still have smartphones. And the fact is, what a smartphone represents is that everybody carries around like a very powerful computer, which is also network with a- them all the, the time. It's the access point to the network, yeah. It's the access point, right? And it's with you all the time. Like there was a time, like, you know, before mobile phones where you wouldn't leave your house maybe without your wallet, right? Now today, you can't imagine leaving your house without a mobile phone. It's there with you all the time. When I haven't sleep, carried a wallet in about a year and a half. That's a very, same, some, something same I haven't right. thought about. But yeah, you're, now you say exactly that, right. I haven't carried my wallet in such a long time. Exactly. So so this is what I'm saying. So this mobile phone, this computer, this device, this network device is with, there, with you all the time. It's next to you when you sleep. It's it's there when you wake up. It's it's your access point. And, and because all of us have it, and, and with the advent of even faster networks like 5G and possibly 6G after that, like, you know, the, now now we've reached a point where we can actually do this. Like discussing CBDC back in maybe 2016 or 15 may have been like too too early or, you know, too hopeful. But today the technology exists. That's true. And, and right. And, and, and even in like, like I told you, in, in very impoverished countries as well, this technology exists. It's not just a first world country thing. So, so because it exists, governments can now actually do this and pull it off. So right. even in India, where I'm based, right, 50% of the nation already has access to broadband internet. And then the next 50% will probably happen in another two, three years. So, yeah. The progress in India has been really astounding uh, in recent years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I grew up in the UK and not knowing so much about kind of progress and how things were working there. And the, the information gap actually, and my kind of issue is the information gap with reality of these, mm-hmm. of these places. Like, so, you know, anywhere outside of the UK when I was younger, it's, I, I know that in America, this, this particular phenomenon is particularly bad, whereby we live mm-hmm. in our bubbles and we assume that countries outside of the bubbles we live in are doing in some ways worse than they actually are. And, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons that I wanted to leave the UK so badly was to was to find out how things are you know, really happening in these other places. And the the recent, I'd say the recent 10 years in India, the 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 progress has been really quite astounding and it's 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 really making me kind of hopeful for the future because 
when you're younger in, in the UK, you kind of get told that thing, things are fucked in other places. And it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's suffering everywhere and it is, you know, there is problems, right. but it's just not the case that things are as bad as we're told they are. That, that's why it's so important to travel, right? And that's why everybody says, you know, why traveling is so important because it'll open your mind to these possibilities. Like it's only when you travel, when, you know, internet is one thing, right? Which opens up, you know, I mean, you can go and see something on Google Street View, which is one thing. But, you know, going to a country, experiencing the cultures, meeting the people, you know, that, that I feel is just so important. And, and, and the best part about today's world is that, you know, it's some of those problems have been solved. Like if you have, you know, fair bit of capital, a little bit of capital, you can travel to countries. Uh, you can book flights from your phone. You can book accommodation. You can go and find your way. You can read about what you have to do once you get to a nation. So those kind of things. So traveling is easier today than it ever was. And, and I really encourage, yeah, and cheaper. So I think people, you know, you know, should really take that leap, you know, just you know, you know, everybody reads about traveling and doing those kind of things. But sometimes you just need to take the leap, go to a different country, experience it, maybe even for 10 days and, and it'll open your mind to so many possibilities. Right? I agree. You can see things on a picture or even on a video um, and it can give you an opinion of a place or of a, mm-hmm. life, of a, you know, a culture or a lifestyle, but you'll never really know it until you're there and you speak to the people and they've reacted to you. you when, when you see people react to you and how they react to you, that's when you can really understand kind of how things are in that society because if you see a picture you'll see them reacting reacting to a camera you know um definitely it's it's the person-to-person interaction that makes you realize how things really are um definitely i, I was actually going to ask you to give some advice to the like, i've watched a bit of lex friedman he's a very good podcaster and he says <laughs> at the end of his things you know uh give some advice to the youth i was going to ask you at the end but i think that's really solid advice to everyone is to just, just travel as if you can travel and if you can leave, leave your culture, not just from the UK to Ireland or, you know, mm-hmm. China to Taiwan, you should get out of your culture, I think, and see something else. It's really important. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, something I'm super stoked about is the Atari. Is it exclusive Atari partnership with Polygon, the NFT partnership? So- Right. So, so I won't, I won't say it's exclusive. I think, uh, you know, they've decided to partner with us uh, since they felt, you know, our technology, our ecosystem was, was, was doing really well. Uh, I don't know if they plan to partner with, with others in the future. Um, but what I'm really happy about what Atari Radio presents to me is, is mainstream companies, you know, taking interest in, in Web3, right? And I think Atari is going to be the first of many companies, you know, I mean, I, I know that all other companies, whether it's the Ubisofts of the world or, you know, Electronic Arts, and all of them are now eyeing the blockchain, sort of the Web3 world, you know, and how they could potentially bring their offerings there. So I'm, I'm really happy that Atari's taken that leap and, and sort of, you know, and using their brand name to sort of bring that attention to the Web3 world. So so that's that, I think, is, is, is like a big win for the blockchain uh, universe in general. Uh, you know, Polygon aside. So so I think that's, that's great. And then with us, yes, they plan to work with Decentral Games, um, you know, we are in conversations with them and how we could potentially help them expand uh, their presence in the Web3 world. What what other what are the other things they could do? Um, and yeah, and that's a, that's a continuing conversation. Awesome. Um, and at the risk of, you know, saying something I shouldn't or pushing mm-hmm. you to say something you shouldn't, um, I heard that there's going to be a integration of AAVE AVE into Polygon, not just the token on pool, you know, available to be bought, but also the actual mm-hmm. potential um, system being hosted on Polygon. Is that 
true? Can you tell uh, me? So I can't really comment on it now, but all I can say is that this, I think, you know, there is some some evidence out there which is rather irrefutable. Um, um, so, so again, you know, I think it would be best if the community waits for the official announcement. Sure. Um, right, but uh, but uh, but yeah, like interesting things are going to happen, and we have many big announcements planned. Okay, I'm going to name this podcast episode uh, Alpha with Arjun. I think. <laughs> Not sure. I think that's a that's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was what is plasma? Right. So, so plasma is is essentially um, was a technique uh, to scale um, uh, Ethereum, uh, which was proposed in 20, 2017, uh, I think. Uh, it was actually proposed before that, like as with with this concept of shadow chains, which Vitalik came up with. I think twenty fourteen, if I'm not wrong. But in twenty seventeen, it was named plasma. And essentially, what plasma does is, like I told you, is that you uh, instead of so instead of keeping all the transactions on layer one you essentially offload all of those transactions to a, a layer two chain right which is doing this and then what you put on layer one is that merkle root right so you're putting some proof so you're putting a proof that all those transactions happen so all your liquidity nfts transactions you're putting that proof on layer one so suppose somebody wants to prove it tomorrow they can do that but the, all the transactions in uh, and and uh, the computation has been offloaded to layer two, right? Right, and thereby you can scale, which is cheaper the, and faster, and you know more efficient. Which is cheaper and faster, and so. if you can make it decentralized, you know that's even better. And and of course, you know there are other quirks. So there are other vari- variations of plasma as well. There's, uh, you know, minimum viable plasma, more viable plasma, and, and you know there are other other variations of plasma, the five six different variations. So you know there, so 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 that's there as well. But in general is what I'm telling you, high level, this is what Plasma was all about. Okay. Um, Because I I first ran into the term on your bridge, the wallet, the Matic bridge. Um, This is actually something I've been meaning to speak to someone in the the know about. Mm -hmm. So I saw maybe yesterday that Zappa, uh, Mm -hmm. Zappify, they have released a, you can trade through multi-chains so that you can mm-hmm. have Ethereum on Ethereum and you can buy something on Polygon. Now, right. does that take advantage of the bridge as usual? And would you have to pay a fee for that to work through Zappa? Oh, so that's interesting. I think Zappa team will be a better place to hmm. maybe answer that. Because to, to be honest, I haven't tried it yet. I just saw it yesterday. Yeah, it's so quite exciting I have to, to see I have to try it. Very exciting. I, I saw that. I was like blown. I was like, wow, this is proper multi-chain. Yeah. If, if it works this way, and, and I'd love to try it out. And and just to add just a little bit more color on, on what you talked about on, on the Plasma side. So when, when it's on the bridge, right, what essentially it represents is that there are two ways to exit from a layer two solution to a layer one solution, right? There is the proof of stake exit, which essentially relies on our, uh, you know, the strength of our validator network to ensure that all the transactions on the layer two side are legit and then you exit you know that on l1 and thereby everything then which happens on l1 is also legit uh, so that is the proof of stake exit and right. then you have your plasma exit right which so the plasma the way to structure the plasma exit is that you do the exit and then there is a period of seven days in which anybody in the network can sort of come and challenge um, this transaction, right? So suppose you did something funky on the layer two side, you did, you did something wrong there, and then you're trying to, you know, sort of put that information on layer one as so as to make it legit. There's a seven day period where somebody has to sort of um, catch your lie, right? As, as one might say, or for example, challenge your fraud proof, 
as as one might say so so that is the plasma exit mechanism so the plasma exit the way it was designed the way it was conceived is that it takes 7 days so there's a 7 day waiting period or a challenge period as it's called so proof of stake bridge allows you to exit in about maybe 3 hours depending on ethereum congestion but sure. the plasma exit will require you to wait for a period of 7 days that's really great that you told me this because i literally mm-hmm. yesterday had a question from the drc community and they were saying mm-hmm. why am i being told that it would take 7 days to process a withdrawal um we did come to the conclusion that it was if you use plasma as opposed to pos mm-hmm. but we weren't so sure why so it's nice right. to know so, that that's a mandatory thing and there's there's a reason for exactly. that exactly so, right that's how plasma was structured to make it super secure right so so because there's a 7 day period in which anybody in the network can sort of so this ensures that you know that there is enough time so if you just give it 24 hours maybe people may not have time to examine the fault proof but if you give them 7 days then you know that offers right high higher you know a very high level of security but then again you know that was conceived because you know if you don't have a decentralized enough network on the plasma side then a plasma exit is important right because then there's a higher chance of something went wrong on the on the layer 2 chain like there was a bad transaction or somebody tried to do double spending or something like that but if your layer 2 sort of network like ours is sufficiently decentralized then you've already solved that problem you've already ensured that all the transactions happening are, are legit Hmm, okay. uh, because you know all all the validators are watching each other. Security is always okay. an important issue. Is one of the extremely important. for me personally. Yeah, it's my my yeah. biggest fear yeah. about this space is is how mm-hmm. it's still the wild west. You know, all these fantastic pieces of innovation with these true professionals and absolute high IQ gigabrains, but it is still That's the wild true. west, and you can your funds can go in a minute. You know, I, I saw I can't believe it. I saw on Twitter recently, someone said mm-hmm. he's. Twenty-five thousand followers, you know, uh, an influencer guy, and he said, mm-hmm. uh, "Accepting donate, no, accepting applications to my private chat. Post, uh, send me your seed phrase via DM, and I'll add you." So he's obviously yeah. said it as a joke, and he said an right. hour later he got five people who sent them his their seed phrases to accounts that actually had funds in them as well. Can you imagine? Absolutely crazy! So crazy! Right. Um, yeah, no, you have to be really careful. Yeah. Yes, I mean those people have no hope, sadly. But yes, um, <laughs> yes, you have. To be uh, I do. Careful, yes. I do want to know your thoughts. This is. I had a chat with Kevin Merko, the CEO of Coin Metro Exchange. Really great guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he was mm-hmm. essentially saying that for now, there is no way the cryptocurrency, you know, market, the scene in general, can become mm-hmm. mass adopted until it decouples from Bitcoin. in the sense that if bitcoin goes up everything else does if bitcoin goes down mm. likewise everything else does um and in some mm. way i do agree with that because right now it's everything is kind of going well together you know things are working mm-hmm. well together ethereum goes up it's not a problem matic goes up it's not a problem for polkadot for cosmos because everything is kind of going up but at some point there will be competition you know there will be do you see there being competition with for example cosmos or with polkadot to the point that it you know for an interrupt interrupt interoperability solution do you find that might affect the future of these solutions or is there a world in which they can all coexist or oh, you mean like uh, all different layer 2 type of solution yes uh, because you also did mention bitcoin so that's that's uh, sorry yeah that was a two two pronged question really so I, I, okay I, so let me let me try and cover both actually 
Right. So, and I'll try and keep it really short. So, so essentially, why this happens is that you know when Bitcoin goes up, everybody goes to Bitcoin, and all other coins yeah. you know fall, and then the reverse happens. It's because of what Bitcoin represents, right? So, Bitcoin is like a store of value. Sure. Right, and it's essentially just like how gold works, right? So, so for example, in times of extreme uncertainty, people tend to like you know buy gold or other you know kind of assets which you know are you know which are sort of labeled as safe assets. Like over a period of your lifetime, the value of gold will only increase. Because the population of the world as such is increasing and there will be, you know, increased scarcity of this particular product. So that's kind of what Bitcoin represents. So that's why when like and, and this is so interesting that because even in capital markets, right, if you look at the general economy, like, you know, when when there is increased uncertainty in, in capital markets, that's when people tend to also go into cryptocurrency. Right. Because they feel that if I put my money in the market, I want to lose it. So cryptocurrency is a better bet. Yes, with the um, with the recent inflation risks, that's a with the recent thing. Uh, exactly right. So I mean, just look at what happened in in the US as well, where you know the country has not printed so much more money, and there's going to be inflation. So people then tend to you know go towards crypto because it just makes more sense in, in this kind of uncertain mm-hmm. world. So so this is kind of how. So it's more based on mentality and what Bitcoin represents. Uh, and now, as far as the decoupling is concerned, I think with DeFi coming into play, the decoupling will happen. I think what more and more people like currently we are in a situation where a lot of people hold Bitcoin, but I see a lot of that Bitcoin. Um, sort of uh, value also flowing into DeFi and and then you know people will take their take that money and put it to work and then that will eventually solve it's, you know so this kind of problem would solve but but what I'm saying is that Bitcoin represents a store of value and and that mindset will not go away right like like people will always have you know they will always be the safe investment which everybody wants to make agreed um, whether it's gold or whatever, and Bitcoin represents that investment. Like it's a, it's an investment which people feel can only go up. Why? Because there'll ever only only ever be twenty one million bitcoins. I think the right? so I think the point that we were there. trying to make was that maybe yeah. it would be nice for Bitcoin to be Bitcoin always goes up. Fine, that's great. Uh, but it would be mm-hmm. I think necessary for the health of the ecosystem for Bitcoin to not be the most dominant in terms of market cap and in terms of coinage. I think. There's- I just think we need to get more people into it. So, like, you know, the, so this is what I say, right? So, this is like saying that, you know, I wish people would not buy gold and all. I would well, just say that. There is more than one store get- of value other than gold, though, you know. So, gold has dropped down from the top of, you know, the, in terms yes, of yes. market cap of gold. Gold isn't at the very yes, top. Yes, it has dropped. Tech, yes, tech yes. businesses, the stock market, these sorts of things, things with actual tangible use cases are, tend to be. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't disagree that Bitcoin will remain a very strong buy for lots of people. You know, DRC, for mm-hmm. example, is trying to position itself as a potential de- uh, store of value token. So mm-hmm. we're trying to, we, we personally believe there's space for multiple stores of value in the cryptocurrency world in the same way that right. there also is within the, the retail world in terms of silver, right. gold, property, these sorts of things. Right. Right. No, definitely. But like I said, you know, it, it, what you're saying is 100 percent right. But like I said, you know, it's a mentality here, you know, which which will not change. And I think what we just need to do is get more and more people into crypto. Agreed. Right. To sort of right, and I think that is the solution to this problem. So rather than sort of trying to fight blockchain, what we need to do is that if there are let's say 100,000 people in the world, or maybe 500,000 people in this world who are doing DeFi, we need to make that 50 million or 500 million. And I think that will sort of bring that sort of liquidity or volume into the game where you know stuff like this won't matter too much. So, so that's that's kind of so that's on the Bitcoin side. You'd also ask another question with respect to the competition between layer two solutions. Yeah. So as Bitcoin falls, right. the other mm-hmm. will rise up, and then will that will there be hegemons or will there be multiple L two solutions living in harmony? So, so the way I see it is this, right? So currently, 
So what do layer two solutions eventually represent, right? So if you think about it, um, ultimately scaling is is a technical problem, right? And to any technical problem, there are bound to be you know maybe more than one solution, right? So each layer two solution represents a represents a like each layer two sort of chain represents a solution to the scaling problem. Now what we are seeing right now and how I feel this entire space is going to play out is that you know what we're seeing right now is that there is this sort of cross chain bridging happening, right? So where people are taking People, you know, where companies are creating these bridges, which bridge all of these different L2 chains, so that liquidity can flow, right, from one chain to the other, from other chain to one other, and and this is happening across the L2 landscape. So what's what hap- what's happening is basically, and, and if you were to look at it, let's say, <clears throat> from a high level perspective, is that all of these chains represent islands, right, and each island sort of has its own community, right. So each each chain has its own community. Now all of these are currently islands. Once you bridge all of these islands, and that the community can now freely move from one chain to another, what's going to happen over a period of time is that eventually people are going to migrate towards that one chain, which which they feel has the best ecosystem. Sure. Right. So it's this strange way of you know sort of natural selection, yeah. which is already happening by the way, where people are trying different chains and figuring out which one works you know the best for them. But bridging will like amplify this, right? Where people now they can freely move and then. What's going to happen, like I said, over a period of time, is that people will choose this one community, and it'll happen organically. The community, like the whole blockchain community, will start gravitating towards this one um, protocol, which they feel, which 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 will eventually be the dominant, you could say, protocol amongst amongst uh, you know all of the other L2 solutions. And will the other L2 solutions exist? Yes, they may for certain specific use cases, but uh, but they will be this one dominant sort of chain, which you know, which again, like I said, which will be chosen by the people. It's a very interesting um, analogy. I like the the, the idea mm-hmm. of the islands, you know. So where where people decide to settle is where they build the cities, and where the cities are built is where there's better things to do, more places to live, a higher quality of life. Exactly. Right. So it attracts more people to that island. The other islands still exactly. have their communities, but it, it, it there's and, a pull. And factor if you bridge right these islands, then you accelerate this process. Right. Of course. Then people. Of course. Very interesting analogy. I have a nice picture in my head of that. Mm-hmm, exactly. So that's the right way I feel to visualize it, and that's what I feel is going to play out over the next, let's say, maybe two or three years, and then you know we might see something else. But, but yeah. Well, I'm very excited to uh, to see it, and I I do genuinely believe that Polygon is going to be at the forefront of that entire scene. Um, so it's very exciting stuff, and I'm sure you must be very excited. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, one thing which I love about the crypto world is that every day you wake up, like you know, in the morning, there's something exciting to do. There's something interesting. You know to work on so and then, like you said it's 24 7 right so it's, it's addictive you know it <laughs> no, is addictive. i can't imagine doing anything else you said um when we mentioned mobile phones you said how you sleep with it next to you okay i'm going to i'm going to give you my advice and that is put your phone out of your bedroom when you sleep i need to do that yeah i know my wife has been telling me the same thing like no, put it should. in some other room don't like yeah because otherwise you wake up and the first thing in the morning is you're checking twitter you're checking you know what's happening Absolutely. in the markets Absolutely. i don't think that's good like, it's super know. detrimental for for health leave your phone outside uh, your yeah. room when you wake up then you can i also would say shower and mm-hmm. eat or shower and have some water look outside mm-hmm. before you look at your phone that's something that I've been doing the past like five months since crypto has uh-huh. essentially taken over my mental space. Um, <laughs> and it does, you, you allow yourself some time to wake up. And I read an interesting mm-hmm. book about your brain has to download what it learned in its sleep when you wake up. So if you give yourself oh, 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. when you wake up to allow your brain to kind of 
process all of your memories that you had when you were asleep, then you'll function much mm -hmm. better throughout the day. I think that's I think that's great advice, and you know I'm I'm gonna implement that. So thank you for that. Yeah, let me know how I'm it goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm conscious of time because we have an hour, so mm -hmm. I'd just like yes. to say thank you very much for coming on, Arjun. Um, I will almost definitely be keeping you in touch with you in terms of needing more documentation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course. And uh, I would love to have you on again, maybe later when Polygon has, you know, maybe after it's released its its full uh, multi-blockchain proposal, which I haven't actually gone into today, but I would like mm -hmm. to. No, definitely. And, and, you know, I had a great time as well. And, you know, I think you've, you've covered some very, very relevant questions, which a lot, of, a lot of people in the community have. So thank you so much for having me. And of course, you know, we should do it again once the you know, Polygon SDK is out. I'm sure we'll have more interesting things to talk about, more questions. And then, you know, we can, we can take those then as well. For so, sure. Thank you very much, Arjun. And I'll speak awesome. to you soon. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.